So today I've got Daniel Zacharias with me. Um, he's taught and written a lot about product management in general. Um, the reason Daniel is brilliant is because he brings a real um, personal feel to product management. Daniel, I love the way that through all your writing, there's a real sense of mm-hmm. um, you know, an awareness of relationships with other people, of how product team has to be very careful because of you know, politics and influence in an organisation. Um, and I reread your post called um, Moving from Solutions to Problems. And it's all about how you can um, help get the best information out of internal stakeholders by kind of helping them bring problems to you instead of kind of feature requests and ideas. So I just, I love the whole concept of it. Um, so could you start off, I guess, by, you know, telling us a little bit more about what you do and then we'll we'll jump straight into um you know the framework you've put together to kind of deal with those issues right uh well uh first of all thank you for having me yeah um so i'm i'm currently working as a a product consultant and i essentially work with teams uh on either their process or uh, their product strategy and i try to help them figure out uh, what they need to be doing, uh, either on their day-to-day or uh, on a bigger picture type of thing. So uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. And um, it, I, I've been dealing with teams that are either from non-digital native companies, like uh, old legacy type of industries, and now uh, also uh, with you know digital native uh, product companies. So that's uh, it's a quite interesting uh gap to to see when you look at companies that are, haven't done digital and companies that were born digital the, the, the problem set is very different but what they all have in common is this type of uh, communication breakdown and 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 solution based thinking that we're gonna be talking today that, that's really, that's really cool that's really cool I was gonna ask actually how um, like, how did you become interested in in stakeholder management, and where have you seen the problem of people um, kind of bringing feature requests to product teams in, instead of, uh, you know, like solute not solutions, sorry, instead of, instead of problems? Is that something you've seen through your consultancy? Did you become aware of it quite early on? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Ever ever since the moment that I ever since the moment that I got started with products, um, I've been doing. Um, a lot of stakeholder management. I, I, I used to work for an agency, uh, so so I was a PM uh, as part of the an agency, and that meant that uh, I was doing uh, possibly double the stakeholder management that you would do uh, in terms of um, a regular product team because you need to be adding that you know client relationship level that um, that needs to be uh, managed that you know account management. So. Uh, that brings in another set of uh, difficulties. But on the day-to-day, on, when working on the product, that you know, stakeholders uh, are are the, your bread and butter. If you're working in a minimally large organization, you will be facing with stakeholders, and 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 you need to be aware of how to you know properly engage with them and and keep them happy and on your side. Definitely, it's. It took me, to be honest, it took me a surprise when I started off. Um, so first job was in a software company. And I hadn't, um, mm-hmm. before that, I hadn't fully realized how much being in a project management or product role, it's about people. 90% of the yeah. job is people. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
so it's it's so it's so important it's such an important topic um so why is it do you think that um stakeholders will bring feature requests and ideas to you instead of problems do you, is it just the way people work is it an education thing and and why is why is that a problem for a for a product team i, I mean i think it's the most natural thing in the world i mean, it's not uh we should not be expecting other uh, uh, any other thing that people bringing to us features at least at least at first because features are tangible you know you when you're when you have a product you know there's a button that you might add there there's a screen there's a, an interaction you know it's something that you can see and people like to point to things and say hey that button or that screen or that interaction is there because i suggested that it should be there so uh people like uh, tangible things and features are pretty much very tangible and problems are really abstract. So, uh, I mean, it's only natural that we get feature requests. That's, that's a great way to, to frame it. And I feel like that as well about, um, you know, when product teams are receiving customer feedback, um, you know, not just internal stakeholders, but from customers as well, you'll see the same thing. I think the, the feature request is like, say it's so natural. It's like the currency of the pain point is, is how I, kind of think of it um, yeah you don't yeah, tell I, people the pain point right you tell them how to fix it yeah yeah you frame your worldview as through the tool that you're using and and so you know all those re, uh, refrains popular uh, refrains about uh, you know if you're uh how do you call it um, in English? What, what if you like basically uh, if all what that you do is, um, you know, create uh, nails, then uh, you will approach everything with a with a hammer. So even if if, if the problem is completely different than that. So uh, you frame your worldview uh, around what you do and what you see and and the solutions that you will come up with are are that tend to will, will tend to be on what you can touch and and, and that's why people think in that in those terms uh, and I, I mean, and I don't take them uh, and I don't take that as an affront I just know that my job is to uh, get them to think the other way around uh, because solutions have a, a bunch of problems uh, uh, in terms of how do we track them and how to implement them and how do we decide if they're worthy or not? I, th I think that's a brilliant point. I think that's a, a really great tip for, for product people to take away is it's just an, it's an awareness, isn't it, is the first step. Um, right. Because once you're aware of that, then you can take steps to um, kind of change it, um, which is why I really liked your... So you've put together this problem case framework um, yeah. It's just three simple set steps, isn't it? Um, so it's about getting to the problem, understanding the scenarios, and then working out the value um, as yeah. a little framework for engaging with stakeholders and making them think about, um, you know, problem sets as opposed to solutions. Um, yeah. Before we go into that in a, in a little bit more detail, what yeah. would you say is the main benefit for a product team of helping, um, like, change the culture and the thinking of stakeholders round to um, a you know, into a problem um, way instead of a solution. Um, one. Right. So, I, I mean, the, the, the main benefit is uh, it makes our job easier, essentially. I mean, we, we create, uh, we set ourselves up for success because uh, we start to, to work with, uh, through a common language. Problems become a common language that we can share with our stakeholders. And uh, the, the problems that solutions have is that 
if we think in terms of solutions, then uh, the product will be viewed as a set of features instead of something that solves a problem. And uh, or when someone comes off comes to us with a solution, then they're probably on an idea for a feature that's probably not very well thought out in terms of all the intricacies of the product. So that's also another problem that we uh, face when we have a feature. And when we have a feature or an idea or a solution, those things are harder to break down and try to solve in increments because a solution is a very concrete approach to solve a very concrete problem instead of uh, looking at what the problem underlying it is. So there are multiple ways that uh, features, uh, uh, feature requests and ideas uh, get in the way because they they just make our, our, our job that much harder. And every time I talk to uh, any amount of teams, uh, any number of teams, I always see the same pattern, which is, oh, I'm, I'm bombarded by feature ideas and requests and like all these tangible little things that we were talking about. And, and and how should I prioritize them and how should I, you know, manage them? And and the reasons that they are hard to manage is because they're, you know, they, they are the end of the process and they are not the start of the process. And we need to get to the start of the process before we get to those, to, to those features. Does that make sense? I mean, uh, and, and that's, that's the, the main, that's the main reason that, that the main benefit that we get when we look at problems and instead of solutions. It absolutely does. And um, I'll, I'll share the link to your, your blog post on this as well, because I really like the analogy um, yeah. you've used there about traveling from A to B. So a problem yeah. is, you know, I'm at point A and I need to get down the road to the shops, point, point B. Um, yeah. That is coming to you with a, a problem versus me yeah. coming to you and saying, hey, Daniel, build me a car. It's yeah. When you think of it in those terms, it's completely different. And you've got a really great graphic illustrating that as well and I think that frames right. it really nicely um so now we've set it up a bit I'd, I'd love for you to um kind of briefly talk us through this framework that you've put together so this like I said earlier this framework is meant to help um bring stakeholders around to a more problem-based way of thinking um right so if we could step through that together that that would be perfect um so the right. first thing you've got on there is getting to the problem so this is creating a problem statement. And I love the five whys technique. So yeah. could you explain what you mean by problem statement and where that uh, five whys technique comes into play? Sure. I mean, uh, usually people will come at you with something very concrete. And, and this, I, I, I picked an example from, from, uh, from a product I was working on uh, in the past, which uh, ha- had to do with parking and, and, a, a recurrent feature request would be, hey, we should have some sort of geographical search to find car parks. And and and, and I say, okay, well, uh, why do you think we need that? Oh, we, well, because users could maybe find a car park close to where they're going, all right? But uh, why do they need to find a car park? Oh, well, they, they're planning a trip and they know where to park. Because, uh, okay, so why do they need to plan their trip? Because, all right, so they can save some time and they know where they, they can go and instead of be driving around. It's okay. So now we understand what the problem that you're trying to solve. We don't know if it's a worthy problem, but at least I know why you are suggesting that feature to me. And it doesn't be it doesn't need to be five whys, but mm-hmm. the idea of the five whys techniques is just basically just to drill down a little bit more into why are you suggesting this thing? What's behind What's the root cause? What's what, that's making you uh, ask me this feature? And and then let's together try to find out 
if that makes sense uh, as a problem or or if it doesn't. And and that's to me that's the first step to to having a clear understanding of what the problem of what the person is thinking. Uh, so you know, and, and trying to step away from the actual concrete representation of the solution, which would be the feature request, uh, and try to co- go into the real reason behind it and say, okay, so that's where you see that there's a problem, and now we can try to figure out if it's a valuable problem or if it's something that we want to be solving. And I think, like you say, you don't have to ask why, you know, five yeah. times I was sitting count. It's a mindset, though, isn't it? It's like someone comes right. to you with a feature or an idea. Your mindset should be, okay, why have they asked for this? And yes. I think, and, 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 and I would add just one point there, yeah, which is yeah. uh, being making sh- short, like uh, people look at the five whys and say, oh, well, that, that would be rude. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, and, and you're, it's not just, not doing necessarily five whys and it's not all it's also about not just uh you're talking to another person and, and repeatedly saying why 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 uh, it's you have to be uh a little bit more cautious and and try to ask the same question in different ways because otherwise people might be tend to might go into the defensive and and then you have just turned uh a feature request into a co-worker problem. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't want a co-worker problem, that's for sure. Um, Yeah, exactly. And I think you're right. If you take the the approach based on the personality and and know how best they're going to respond, then it can actually be a really great way to to get good stakeholder engagement. You're taking that stakeholder on the journey with you and you're thinking through the problem together. Um, yeah. Which is- yeah, and, the, and and that's the the second step that I like to go into, which yeah, is after I have uh, I, after after I have some basic understanding of the problem that that uh, they they want to be solving, then I I I I think that one of the most critical steps here is just having walk walking through that scenario um, together and say, okay, so let's let's uh, try to figure out. Where in the user's world, when in the user's world does this problem occur? And and let's see if this is a problem that really makes sense or not. And and this is I, I look at this as a set of incremental steps that stakeholders need to go through. And sometimes they will even give up uh, on their uh, feature request because they will realize that maybe yes, this is not a, a really uh, you know. Uh, a valid problem or something that really happens uh, in the in the customer's world, or it's something that is so hard to solve uh, in the proper way that that's probably not the right the, the right moment to do it. So basically, the conversation not, uh, goes into okay. So tell me about the situations that lead to this problem in in in, in the user's world. What variations of this problem might might occur? What what other solutions are they using right now? What's uh, and and what other problems may be may, may need to be solved or or validated if this problem were to be solved? So sometimes you get to a point to say, okay, so imagine you're the user of the product. Can you walk me through these steps, and then and then they start to realize uh, and and do this exercise by themselves, and 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 this is to me one of the most critical steps in the kind of framework that I I came up with. I like that because you can see how that scales as well. So if you're in a bigger organization, like you said there, once you've stepped someone through the process once, or you could even do it um, you know, with a, with a team, I guess, 
then yeah. people do start to um, see, they see immediately the benefit that, that running through that little process brings and they do just start doing it on their own, which is helps the product team um, to no, no end because you're suddenly getting, you know, really, really good data and information from your internal teams instead of just ideas and requests that are, like you explained earlier, they're much, much harder to handle. Yeah, and, and when you look at it in terms of, okay, so we're trying to figure out uh, what the context is for this problem to be solved. And going back to the parking exercise, the par- parking example that I run through the article is, okay, so so you want to help people uh, avoid wasting time where, where they're finding a place to park. So so if they're planning a trip, they will be looking at a, a occupancy uh, before they leave. So, and, and, and when you say, okay, but then that would be different when they get to their destination because occupancy levels might change, right? So, mm-hmm. oh, okay, so what's the point of doing that when you're uh, going out of, uh, of your home into your, uh, rather than when you're trying to park? So the problem there is, okay, so now, I mean, uh, I, I can't solve this in, in planning mode before the trip because when I need to solve this problem is when I'm at the destination, which is a, 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 a lot later, and, and and that becomes a whole different problem for us to solve and say, oh, well, we're not a navigation app. We're not a, you know, yeah. we're not something uh, that solves that bit of the of the business. And do and then the question goes into, do we want to be that? And, and that's it's a completely uh, completely different approach to to deciding whether or not something fits within the the app or within the service that you're providing. Which is where I like how you've sprinkled through your articles or little comments about the strategy as well. It's tying everything back to your like product or company strategy. These conversations open open that up yes, as well. Exactly. It's 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 a you know it's an incremental set of filters that we apply. And 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 if people understand our, our way of thinking and this, as they can do this by themselves over time. That's brilliant. So so the first step was uh, you know get to the problem. Step two was understand the scenario. And then your final point is, uh, this to me is of real kind of not just value for the product team, but for the organization as a whole. So the question is, how valuable is it? Um, right. Can you explain why that value um, metric is important to bring in at the end of the process? Right, because then we can, uh, the first two steps is about understanding what the problem is and when does it happen? Uh, is it like, uh, a problem that we want to solve overall uh, is that something that fits within what we want to be doing, and and the final is okay. If if we understand the problem and understand uh, that it's probably fits within what we want to be doing, and say okay, but how valuable is this problem? So how is this going to be? How is solving this problem going to affect any of our current goals, or uh, or how do you know that this problem is going to be valuable or? change anything that we want to be doing in terms of business or or or, or current strategy so uh, and that's the final filter which is okay uh i mean this makes it's a problem that makes sense it's a problem that we might want to be doing but is this a problem that we uh, that would affect any of our current goals and on objectives and 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 when we try to quantify things in this way and when we try and say hey can you let me know how we would know if it's, this is targeting a large enough segment of our customer base that this will move the current goal, which is uh, getting uh, X amount of new customers or whatever we're trying to be doing. So how is this contributing to what, what we're trying to be doing? And even if it's not contributing, 
then we have a clear uh, demarcation point where we say, yeah, this is not relevant right now. And and let's maybe think about this later when this contributes in some other way. So it's basically trying to figure out what what's the needle that this uh, that solving this problem might be moving, and and only you go to this problem and think about this when that needle is aligned with uh, the actual your current goals and not uh, completely off base. I love. That. I think that's that's perfect. That's what I like through all of this is a mm-hmm. real focus on. Like like the people and the relationships and like the value yeah. of the you know the bigger pi- picture strategy stuff and what you said at the end is very relevant as well. So um, you know if we get to the end of, of step two, say and, it, and and start looking at the value and um, a problem set doesn't align with our goals of today, it's very often that they might do you know a quarter or two down the line. Um, yeah. So I think another thing for you know product teams to think about is you know keeping all this this data in one place so they can. They can come back to it, um, yeah. Because you, as you explained, um, it it might not be relevant now, but it you know it could be down the line. So this this process is totally worth going through for the amount of effort. Um, it's this minimal effort for you know really yeah. big reward at the end of it, basically. And, and yeah, and the big advantage by this point is when you're working uh, on a problem, uh, is that problems don't get out- outdated uh, usually. You know they're yeah. very constant and. and so when you get back to it six months from now, it's not like, oh, we, we had this feature uh, all designed and ready to go uh, and, and, it would, and it would work in this way and that way. And if you park it for six months and go back to it, the app might be completely different by then, but uh, and internally or externally or whatever. Uh, but the problem is probably go- still going to be there. And, and then you can look at the best way to solve it by the time that you get there and 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 that's um that's one of the most valuable things uh that that you get also out of this which is that you optimize your effort and you don't uh waste too much time specking out or thinking about a concrete solution to something that uh you're possibly going to be parking uh for a long time and and then when you get back to it you have to redo all of that work if you only have a really clear understanding of the problem segment when you get to it down the line then you can figure out what's the best approach uh, at that particular point in time and then you can see how to break it down or 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 implement different levels of solution to that specific problem absolutely and it's it's especially true in you know what seeing SaaS and and software companies because things do evolve and change so quickly whether they're external factors or just like you say the the app itself or um the focus of of the business so you know, that's yeah. why I think on another episode of done, we touched a little bit on why, you know, why you shouldn't build a, a very feature driven product roadmap that's 12 months long. And it's for it's yeah. in a nut. You've described it in a nutshell. It's it's for that reason there. You know, features become outdated. Problem sets. There's a much, much uh, you're a much lower risk that that things will have changed so much in in six months time that it's no longer you know relevant at all. Um, exactly. Yeah. That is that was such a good overview. Thank you. Um, so just to run down again for people, um, get to the problem, understand the scenario, and then think about the value. Tie it all back to strategy and the value metrics. Um, right. So I guess to, to round up, I really liked how you'd summarised in your blog post, actually, um, just to, again, make people aware that mm. this isn't necessarily, um, you know, it's a great process, it's really simple, but it does take a bit of work, right? You can't, if the company culture is... Uh, very feature driven or if the product team are used to having the sales team uh, you know harassing them all the time over features for for 
um, prospects, it can be quite hard to change the way yeah. people approach things, right? Yeah. And, and that's when you have to accept that uh, the world's not perfect. And that's where I, 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 I tend to see a, a large gap between uh, a lot of uh, product content uh, on best practices versus what I see when I talk to uh, any of my uh, yeah, newsletter subscribers that are uh, working in a bunch of different uh, co- product companies, and, and which is not re- not accepting or not realizing that there's um, the best practice is not the real practice, yeah. and and <laughs> yeah. and, and, and and the reality is that uh, yeah, this is all this all sounds great, but uh, in practical terms, not a lot of teams are able to do this. So you need to be um, conscious, uh, conscious about, uh, about that, um, you know, about, about that reality, and then start to take an incremental approach to this. Look at this as another product, or as, as another thing that you're developing. That, that you're developing that the culture that you're creating is something that will be an incremental, uh, incrementally created thing. Uh, that won't happen overnight, and and if you do that, then you start to negotiate maybe some compromises and say, hey, okay, we can do you can let's do this feature that you want really uh, right now. That's all right, but let's uh, how can we test if this is successful? And people are usually open to that type of thing and say, hey, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, as long as you put my green button there, mm-hmm. I'm happy to tell you that success will look like uh, you know X amount of users will click on that uh, versus uh, just doing it and forgetting about it. So, yeah. and, 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 when, and when you do that, then you start to, you can maybe check back over time and say, Hey, you know, that green button. Yeah. Well, it's not really working out, you know, and, and let's, and, and, and people will, will start to understand that that's something that they need to think about. Uh, and, and then, uh, you need to maybe see, okay, so which parts of the organization are the ones that aren't uh, aligned with this type of problem oriented thinking and, and can I drive that change directly? Do I need to get a uh, higher level sponsorship on, on that? And, 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 and trying to work out the office politics to help you drive that culture uh, in the best way. And, and, and finally, basically just accepting the, uh, and making peace with the fact that this is a long game. <laughs> and and <Yeah>. cultural, <laughs> cultural changes take time and persistence. Uh, and, and if we accept that this is a, lo- a slow process, uh, we're halfway there to, done, to not getting that frustrated uh, with things. And it will, it'll make it um, a lot more obvious in, uh, in the end when we realize, hey, we actually drove a culture change in this organization. Even if, if it wasn't a complete culture change, you, you start to see uh, patterns that you didn't see at the start. And, and, and that's really, to me, that's, uh, that's really great because I feel that, okay, uh, the mark that I, I'm doing in this organization is not just on the product that it's producing, but it's in, it, in, its, in, it, in its ability to produce other products or other things in the future because they're changing the way they think. And that's uh, an even uh, possibly larger change in terms of leverage that you're using, right? Definitely, yeah, it really highlights, that example of you really highlights how powerful product teams can be. And as you say, with a bit of persistence and, and chipping away at something, you can actually make a change which is much bigger than, um, you know, beyond what you'd, what you'd first expected. Um, right. So, yeah, that's, that's a really, really cool takeaway for the end. Daniel, that was so helpful. That was amazing. Thank you. Um, 
so if anyone wants to get in touch with you after this where's the best place to to kind of talk to you um like twitter or linkedin something like sure. that sure uh, yeah, they can they can reach me at um, uh, Daniel at foldingburritos.com. Uh, that's my uh, email address from the from the blog. Or they can reach me uh, through Twitter. Or I'm at Listen to Daniel, and uh, I'm really uh, open to having a chat and looking and talking to with anyone about product. It's uh, something that I really uh, enjoy discussing. Well, thank you, thank you so much. That that's brilliant. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you.